that was the impetus. That was the inspiration for my curious eyes. I asked the question, what if a group of people around the world got together for a week and shared their lives through their eyes? You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. Today, I'm talking with a woman who does a version of the work I thought I was going to do until I got into this whole radio thing. Karen Ward is founder and partner of Curiosity, Inc. She helps organizations cultivate curiosity to discover and leverage insights and opportunities that she hopes will lead to innovations in products, services, experience, and society. That's her vocation. But her passion is much bigger. Her artist's heart takes wing with something she calls Curiosity Global. A friend pointed me to Karen and her curiosity passion on Facebook this summer when she was launching something she called Hashtag My Curious Eyes. It was a kind of curiosity scavenger hunt that sent people from all over the world out each day with a theme word, an idea to be curious about, to look for and notice where and how we experience that idea and take a picture and share it with one another. But before we get there, I want to go back to those days, just before radio, to a time when I was engaged in what Otto Scharmer at the Presencing Institute at MIT's Sloan School would call 0.8 prototyping, the idea that you should try stuff long before it's ready for prime time, not even version 1.0. It's 0.8, not anywhere near fully cooked. You should try stuff, the theory goes, learn from it reflect on it, collect input from others, and then try again, and again, and again. So I had this idea about radio, but I'd never actually done radio, and I wanted to try it out in some very small way. I created what I called a curiosity journal, like a mini podcast. I used my cell phone and a free app called GarageBand to create short, reflective audio files just to see what it was like. And I was going to share it here, but now that my radio sensibilities have been heightened, it's not nearly up to broadcast quality. So just know, I did some serious 0.8 prototyping. E.E. Cummings wrote, Once we believe in ourselves, we can risk curiosity, wonder, spontaneous delight, or any experience that reveals the human spirit. So... Are we constitutionally curious? It is a trait or a state, something we have to achieve. There are theories on both sides. My own experience is that you can move that needle if you try, if you choose. Which brings me back to Karen and today's conversation and her choices. So welcome, Karen. Thank you so much, Lynn. I'm delighted to be here. This is my favorite, favorite thing to talk about. So tell me how you found your way to curiosity in the first place. Yeah, well, I think my mom would tell you or take credit for that because she has funny stories about always trying to pique my curiosity and put things in front of me that I would find interesting. 
so I think I am by nature uh, quite curious uh, and honest, honestly so. But I think professionally for me, I got really interested in curiosity when I was working in advertising and communication. And I was often the person that was asking a lot of questions, especially why or why not. And I found it, I was sort of, you know, coming into tension or conflict with people when I was asking a lot of questions when what was expected or what people wanted to do was just keep marching forward and do things as they had been done before. And that seemed crazy and strange to me in an industry that is, uh, you know, meant to be creative and in many ways and often is. But when I looked around, I'm like, gosh, we are not, we're not asking enough questions or kind of, you know, operating on autopilot. And that made me ask, why? Why is that? Like, what happens to us as grown-ups, as professionals, when we get a certain level of experience and knowledge and expertise that we willingly or maybe even unconsciously give up our connection with curiosity? And so, yeah, I started curiosity a little bit with my hair on fire and out of frustration and with a lot of passion for there has to be a better way to understand people in the business context. And there has to be a way to reconnect grown-ups with something that is so innate in us as human beings that we lose touch with. I think it gets educated out of us. It gets socialized out of us. And in a professional context, often it gets rewarded out of us. We get rewarded for asking, not for asking, but for knowing. And it's really valuable to know things and to have experience to draw from. But if we aren't also asking questions alongside that knowledge, I think it feels not only depressing to me, but a bit dangerous, actually. Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's what a dozen years later. What yes, exactly twelve? In fact, just yesterday was my anniversary, oh, my work anniversary. Well, yeah. happy anniversary! <laughs> Thank you. Yes, and, it's an exciting mark. Well, that's interesting to me because this is also kind of an anniversary show for me. It was almost exactly to the day two years ago that I sort of started my curiosity journey with a talk about curiosity because I got curious about curiosity mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. just studied it for a while and then talked about what I had learned. So so we're having an anniversary celebration here. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so it's a dozen years later, you mm-hmm. thought there had to be a way, there had to be something that could be done. What have you, what have you found? Well, I think one of the the biggest ways that I've shown up or the most important ways that I've shown up in the work that I do on the organizational side is to kind of be a little bit of a question asking irritant. (laughs) And so I was certainly that way as a, when I was uh, functioning more as a research and innovation consultant, uh, which I did for many years, the business has shifted a little bit away from that. And now my focus is more in helping to facilitate inquiry based uh, decision-making discussions So helping teams and organizations have conversations together that help them plan and get organized and, you know, create, just generate new thinking about the direction of of their businesses. And so a lot of it is being present. And I think, you know, when I started Curiosity, my intention was to go deep with a, a small group of clients. And part of what drove the addition of Curiosity Global this summer, in fact, just this summer, was wanting to have community and conversation and curiosity projects on a global scale with hundreds, thousands of people, 
because I think it's you can have great impact in a deep way with organizations one project at a time, and that was really satisfying, and it still is. And I was getting itchy to have a much bigger conversation. And it is wonderful to live in a time where we have a technology and a network called the internet where that's possible. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's jump to that because that's how I, that's how you came on my radar mm-hmm. was was mm-hmm. that that global, internet based, Facebook based community mm-hmm. of collective curiosity that yeah. you were you were building with hashtag my curious eyes. So yeah. so describe that and what was the inspiration? Well, there's a couple of things. One part of the inspiration was a bit of a thrash that I've been I'll say working through, thrashing through over the last couple of years trying to figure out how some of that community, more kind of global spirited stuff I was really interested in doing how that was going to fit with my corporate work and my large organizational work. And as a former brand strategist, I was like, I've got, I can figure it out. I know I can find a way. And so I was still in the throes of that thrash when the My Curious Eyes project emerged. And it came about as a result of spending some time in Europe at the beginning of this year. So I love what you said off the top about version 8.80, like, Uh you know, doing things before they're baked. I feel like that might go on my tombstone someday. She did it before it was baked because that's how I live a lot of my life. And in fact, a lot of my work um, projects kind of emerge from ideas. I'm like, mm, let's just try it out and see what happens. So I had an opportunity to spend three months in Europe at the beginning of this year. I spent six weeks in Switzerland house sitting for friends. And then I went on to Lisbon because I had friends that were there also and had talked about how much they loved the city. And when I got to Lisbon, so many things about that place connected with me deeply. The weather was amazing as a Canadian being somewhere warm in February was like, holy smokes, amazing. So the weather was beautiful. Uh, You know, it's a a beautiful port city, the color and the texture and the patterns. it, It was just, it kind of blew my mind. And I went out and walked and walked and wandered day after day, taking so many pictures. I was just feasting on everything that was Lisbon visually and in terms of food and wine also. And I was sharing that on Facebook and and on Instagram. And I kept hearing this really consistent feedback, the exact same language, actually. People were saying, I love seeing Lisbon through your eyes. Mm. Like, that's so interesting that it's not just like feedback that's consistent. The language was exactly the same. And so I'm like, gosh, that's really interesting. And then I have these middle of the night musings often And I thought, you know what? I'm kind of a curious, greedy person. I'm like, I want to see what their lives look like through their eyes. And that was that was the impetus. That was the inspiration for my curious eyes. I asked the question, what if a group of people around the world got together for a week and shared their lives through their eyes with a group that group that came together to do that exploration? And what a what if it was, because it was such an interesting, you know, it was just really fun also because it's international. Stuff was kind of coming in 24-7, which was very cool. And that that sort of very intimate often, you know, Mm -hmm. insights into people's lives and the stories that came with it. I mean, you must have anticipated some of that. but, But was there anything about the process that surprised you? Oh my gosh, so much. Like I think 
the initial, first of all, that people said yes was because it was just like a random, I'm like, maybe this will be fun. Maybe people will think it was interesting to do. So that people said yes blew my mind off the top, but so many initially said yes. So we had over 50 people uh, the first time from around the world and that we had such a global audience was really wonderful. And and let and me just back up for a minute for, for, yeah. for, for the audience, because being part of this group meant that once a day you sent us a yes. word, a prompt, yes. and yes. then our charge, our privilege was to go out into the day curious about where that word showed up mm-hmm. um, and and then to share what came, right? So, That's right. So keep going. Sorry, but I just realized yeah. maybe it's not really clear what this thing is. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a really, it's really important, that framing, because one of, one of the things I also asked myself was, what's a, what's a good way, a simple, a really simple and easy way for there to be a tiny bit of structure around this My Curious Eyes experience that would be, that would kind of stitch it together uh, on a daily basis and then over the course of the week. And so what I decided to do was, as you said, um, send a prompt, choose a prompt or a theme. So it was things like, you know, one day it was shape, one day it was texture, one day it was light and shadow, one day it was color. So really simple things. And the whole point of the exercise was just to notice, like to kind of wake up to what was around us. You know, I was sharing really beautiful images from Lisbon because I was in this gorgeous, very juicy place that I had fallen in love with. But I also know from my own life when I'm at home, which is Montreal for me, that when I do walk around and wander around with my eyes open and some intention around noticing, I'm always blown away by what I see. Mm-hmm. And when you have an opportunity to share that with others, um, I, I think it heightens. It's just this beautiful, uh, self-fulfilling pro- uh, circle of heightened awareness and noticing around the world of the people that are doing this. So. So the level of engagement really surprised me and delighted me. And I think you touched on it earlier that also the level of intimacy that emerged from this really simple process. And people were invited to, they could just snap a picture that connected with the theme for them and share that. They could share that picture with some commentary. But there was really, like, the, there were very loose rules. The only rule was, you know, do it daily if you can, follow the prompt and share as much as you're comfortable. And some people just share the picture without any commentary. But what I found, and I find this gets deeper each time we do it, people reflect deeply and it connects with, you know, things that are going on with them in their lives right now. It connects with stuff that they feel happy or sad or still working through from their past. It's incredible what comes up. And I think for me, it just feels like it's such a gift and a privilege for me to hold space for that kind of community and connection, certainly curiosity and the conversation that comes up that as a result. There are friendships, deep friendships that have actually emerged from this project. You know, it, it brings me back to something that you've either written about. I'm trying to think where I saw this in, in kind of reading up on you or whether it was in a presentation that you gave on the seas of of curiosity that you talk about, of courage, mm-hmm. confidence, and collaboration, because I thought mm-hmm. that my curious eyes was its own version of those things, that it was this kind of individually executed but highly collaborative mm-hmm. experience that that took some courage to kind of step yeah. into. But you, I could watch people's 
confidence in their curious eyes evolve over the week that we were participating. And I wonder if you felt like you saw that as well. Absolutely. And I think there's there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is people get comfortable and more confident in their ability to see, interestingly, because the group is so generous in the feedback that they provide to one another, whether it's just through, you know, likes and, and loves in the context of Facebook. But I think even more importantly than that is actual commentary. Like people reflect what they love about the picture, what they what they connect with about what the person has shared, about what that um, image brought up for them. And so as you get that feedback from the community, that feels really good. It's really affirming, both in terms of how you see the world and also in what your sharing brings up for other people. And I think we don't there's not a we don't have a lot of spaces for that where it's really gentle and open and easy in a sense to share. And there's a community spirit in that space that is really all about celebration and you know the love of curiosity and what curiosity and seeing the world through fresh eyes. And people tell me all the time that you know, I feel like I kind of live and connect with my life the most deeply when I'm doing projects like yours. And it's so simple, like the act of just having a little bit of structure around noticing and being curious about what's around our lives. I think it's easy to do when we're traveling in a new place because we're just like super aware and sponges for everything that's around us. But we take, we do take things for granted and we get in our routines and our well-tread paths in our daily life. And that can feel heavy and sometimes hard. And I think part of what um, this project does is lift people out of that a little bit, shake it off a little bit. And it's, I think there's an aspect of gratitude also. And I think that contributes to confidence and appreciation and connection and all the good things that we see emerge from this project. I, I really I really think you're right about that. So so I have like 16 questions in my mind, and I know that we're going to run short on time. So the first is, you have another one of these coming up. I do, how can yes. people How can people get connected? Yes. So if they go to uh, curiosityglobal.com, there is a find out more button. They can click on that, and that will automatically... Uh, link them or put them in line to get information about the next round of My Curious Eyes. And that next round actually starts on uh, Monday, November the 6th. And we're actually running it for two weeks this year, uh, for this time. We got a lot of feedback from people saying, you know, the first time it was a week, the second time it was 10 days. And people were like, no, no, we want two weeks. (laughs) I'm just (laughs) getting good at this. Exactly. And I think that's part of it is they kind of get into a groove and then they want to get deeper and more exploratory. So so that's good. We're listening to the community and we're going to run it for two weeks. So starting Monday, November 6th, running through that week and the following week. And we do, I have plans to run it uh, once a quarter. So once a season, basically, because I think that's interesting to see the seasonality in people's lives. I think it started as such a small, simple project, little middle-of-the-night brainwave, and I'm just delighted by how it is growing and evolving and continues to do. So, yeah, November 6th. Well, and I, I think that's part of what I love about it, actually, is that it, it had this air of kind of a quixotic impulse about mm-hmm. it that then not only 
you know, lived, but really flourished. Mm-hmm. Um, so hats off to you. Hats off to Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't on purpose, really. It was uh, just like, hmm, it was literally a what if. I'm like, what if? What and I if? feel like that's where these juicy little baby seedlings, that's how they start. And I had very little attachment to it. So I'm like, if it doesn't work, it's okay. Yeah. It's it's not the right thing or it's, you know, people aren't interested. Uh, and I think that was also part of its success too, is that I had no attachment to the outcome. And that's such a good lesson for me to keep learning and learning and learning. Well, that's sort of holding the curiosity space, right? That you're mm-hmm. you're interested in the questions, not in the answer, yeah, I guess. Exactly. But I love questions. the I love the the what if. I'm gonna sort of add that to my list. You know, have the this list of kind of curiosity shorthand of, you know, how mm-hmm. might I and yes, I how wonder. Might mm-hmm. But the but the what if Mm-hmm. Um, is another one. So do you have a short list of things that are kind of your curiosity go-tos? Yeah, what if is a big one for me. Uh, I also ask all the time in my own life and work and with clients that I support, still support, but how might we is a big one for me too. How mm-hmm. might we, what are all the ways we could uh, what if I ask why a lot, like an annoying two-year-old toddler? <laughs> um, and I think one of the one of the most powerful innovation practices that I learned when I was doing my master's years ago is asking why five times, and you just keep asking yes. why until you get down to the nub of an issue. And getting down to the nub of an issue makes you realize that what you think is the issue is almost never the issue, and sometimes it's not as big of an issue or as difficult a thing to overcome as you think. Initially, we get very fixed in our thinking. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why, you know, powerful questions and uh, a curiosity orientation is really powerful. I ask why not a lot. Um, and I also ask a lot of myself and sometimes to my clients, what's the worst thing that could happen? That's such a good question, right? Because the answer mm-hmm. is often not nearly as bad as no, we, we kind of... catastrophize <laughs> like crazy. Do. We really do. <laughs> Yeah. So what's the worst thing that can happen? And sometimes the worst thing is really significant and needs to be factored in in a very meaningful way in our you know, decision making or you know, thinking about something. But I, my experience is like 75% of the time, it's, it's not all that bad. Yeah. And so I think for me, that has emboldened my risk taking and decision making, certainly in the last 15 years, I would say. What's the worst thing that could happen? And I'm very lucky, and I acknowledge my privilege here. I'm very lucky that the answer is the worst is I'd have to go and live with my parents. <laughs> They're pretty <laughs> awesome people, and so that's not a real hardship. Uh, that's a great list. Well, thank you for that. So so one of my kind of curiosity hygienes is this analogy, the curiosity thing that I do at the end of each mm-hmm. show. And you're in Montreal, and I'm in Arlington. So I, this morning, fished three slips of paper out of the big jar of wannabe analogies. I have not looked at them. Okay. Um, so uh, so I have them here. I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to read you yours, and then okay. we'll read mine, and we can decide whether you want to go first or you want me to go first. So yours okay. is... And what's, uh, the ta- what's the task? Remind me. The task is to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on my little slip of paper here. <laughs> okay. 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 You good? Yes. Okay. So, good. So yours is Sandcastle. And mine is, oh gosh, walrus. Um, 
<laughs> so do you want to oh, go first or do you want hey. me to go first? Um, oh, my goodness. Okay, I can go first. This okay. is going to be – I'm okay. a big uh, talk to thinker, so this might be a little circuitous. But I think what comes up for me when I think about curiosity and sandcastle is that curiosity is like a sandcastle because it's – you can build a great foundation with it. Uh, and in fact, as a foundation, curiosity is really powerful. And it, it also can lead you to build interesting turrets and secret pathways and high up views of the world around you and deep down tunnels of uh, really intense knowledge of great depth. Mm. And it also gives you the ability to continue building that sandcastle with more rooms and more turrets and deeper moats. And it really creates endless, endless possibilities and opportunities for you. Oh, wow. I just want to go to the beach right now. <laughs> yeah. Me too, by the way. <laughs> uh, winter in Montreal. Fabulous. Fabulous. Okay. Um, walrus. How is curiosity like a walrus? <laughs> I'm not coming up with much. Uh, well, a walrus is, um, you know, sort of looks ungainly. And I think curiosity can feel a little ungainly. But when it's in its element, it's an incredibly powerful performer. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. That's how curiosity <laughs> is like a walrus. You um, had a hard one. Uh, I'm glad I'm you got like, walrus. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Okay, so we, uh, so audience... <laughs> We have a little bit of a theme going here. How is curiosity like a frog? Let me know. Hashtag analogy. Well, Karen, thank you so much for this. And I'm looking forward to participating in My Curious Eyes starting November 6th through Curiosity Mm -hmm. Global and to lots more conversations with you. Me too. Thank you so much for the invitation, Lynn. I mean, we, you and I could talk about this literally for hours. Yeah, I think we could. (laughs) It's been such a pleasure to have uh, a short, beautiful chat this morning. I I thank you so much for the invitation. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this show or any other previous episodes, check us out online on demand at WERA.FM. And you can find my shows on Facebook, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and now iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at Choose to be Curious. And don't forget to send us your frog analogy, hashtag analogy. And I hope you'll join me in Karen's next hashtag, My Curious Eyes, starting November 6th. And that you'll join me next time here on Choose to be Curious when Karis Myrick and I try to figure out the difference between curiosity and skepticism. Until then, choose to be curious. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com.